0: Welcome to the Bridge in the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from church planter, Bible teacher, author, and podcaster, Bianca Juarez-Oldhoff, as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, Bianca shares where the concept of her book, Grit Don't Quit, came from. You'll also hear about endurance, perseverance, and the three Ps of resilience, while also joining discussions on rest, Sabbath, and when is the right time or situation to quit something. We hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Well, Bianca, welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. It is a complete honor to have you and I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited for this conversation and just to see where it goes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, it was so much fun to have you at Thrive and this last year was incredible and your messages were phenomenal. And it just always makes me curious when we have speakers on here who are also like creatives in different ways where they're like writers, they're podcasters, speakers. I'm always just curious of like, do you have one of those trades that's like, okay, this is my favorite. This is my comfort zone. This is the one that challenges me a little bit. I'm always just curious. You know, I, I, I don't have any avenue
2: that it feels like easier. I would say Mm -hmm. the most rewarding is pastoring. Mm -hmm. The most fun would be like some of the events, like creating a space where people can encounter the spirit of God. That's like, that's probably the most fun. So like nights Mm -hmm. of worship or intimate gatherings of people, like I just, I love that. And then I would say writing is the most laborious.
0: It's the most laborious. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: I'm not kidding you. It's because it takes like, it takes me yeah. nine to 10 months to write a book, which is like freaking pregnancy. And then you have to go through the editing <laughs> phase and then you have yeah. to go to the launch yeah. phase. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is aging me, you know? But um, yeah. I also know that- um, writing has longevity. And so I could preach a message. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no one's going to remember what I preached like five years ago, but they might mm-hmm. remember a book that I wrote. And so as long as it takes for you to write a book, it takes more people to read that book and they, sp- they feel more mm-hmm. connected to that message. And so I think long-term Long term seeds and growth is probably in a book, but my goodness, it girl, it darn near kills you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when people say you birthed a book, like literally, literally. For you, are like, Yeah, for nine months, I did the work, yeah. <laughs> I and I'm book. screaming in pain. I'm like, It's crowning.
2: get it out of me. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> oh, no, and literally, postpartum depression. Oh, it's a real thing in book mm. writing. Cause you, you mm-hmm. like, I hope people love this baby. I don't know if I even love right. this baby. Like if it's ugly, should we put a big bow on it? Like, what do we do here?
1: <laughs> really though. Really though. It's, I, it's just so, I don't even know the word, but you're just like, okay, here I am. Like the vulnerable, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. so vulnerable, like putting it all out there. Have and you oh, man. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yep. and I wrote one with my mom, and I'm like mother-daughter relationships, and we walk through like our whole season as like a single mom and daughter, and so it's all of it. I mean, it's yeah. everything vulnerable you could think yeah. of. So I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> well. In our intro, we kind of give like a larger introduction, but I always love just asking, you know, our guests if they just can introduce themselves. Cause I love hearing, you know, people just share, like, this is who I am. This is who I am, what I do. So could you do that for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with you?
2: Absolutely. I'll first say that in the time that we get to spend together, in, I don't know, 20, 30, 35 minutes that we get to spend together, I just want to let the listeners know that like I'm honored that you have given me space in your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, and space in your head, in your heart. And I hope that whatever I say in the natural, that the spirit of God does something in the supernatural. And so I don't want to waste your time. And I'm grateful for the listener's time as well. And so my my introduction would include that I'm a maximizer and I don't want to waste anyone's time. We'll start there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also include that I am uh, the lead pastor of the Father's House in Orange County, California, and I am a podcaster, I'm a writer, I am a stepmom, I am a daughter, a friend, a wife, a sister, and uh, I'm currently recording this podcast with my dog sitting on my lap. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> we're
1: we're a little codependent. We have a, we have some issues so we're trying to work through with the dog. Yeah. Well, mine's on my feet, so I get okay. it. We're, we're together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love all of that. I I mean, you do so many things. I don't know how you keep going. And didn't I just see somewhere that you're partnering with like Candace Cameron Beret with something?
2: Yeah. So I was her co-host for this, uh, her this entire 13 episode season on her podcast. It was crazy. And then I just got back from Puerto Rico. Uh, I hosted a a teen girls conference with convoy of hope. And so that was, wow. really, that was like such a gift. It was such a blessing. Um, just to be able to, I don't want anything. I just want to go serve the community on a partner with an organization that I love. And we got to host a conference for, 150 teen girls, giving them opportunities for after-school programs and sponsorships, and and we were able even to create hygiene packs for other women their age around the world that don't have the opportunity that they have. So it was just this beautiful full circle moment.
1: Yeah. Oh, that is incredible. You get to do some pretty incredible things, and that's just all for the kingdom of God. Right. Just like that is so cool, but it is today. It also
2: comes with like a big cost. And so I think that when Mm. we talk about like calling and we talk about opportunities, I I think I just want to like normalize the conversation that like, um, I still have to do laundry. I still do with a lot of spiritual Mm. warfare. Mm -hmm. Life is really hard. Um, Marriage is tough. Ra- raising teenagers is tough. Leading is tough. And so, yes, a lot of cool opportunities. But I think it was Joyce Meyer who said, New levels, new devils. And so, for mm. the person out there who's listening and saying, you know, I'm stepping into whatever God has for me, it's amazing. It's worth it. But my God, pull your knickers up real high because it's for the big girls, you know? So, yeah. Oh, I love the calling. I just love telling people about the cost of the calling as well. It's expensive.
1: I mean, I really appreciate that. I think that there definitely can be this calling comparison is what I like to call it, where it's like, well, I'm just doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, but they're up there, like they're a speaker or they're a big worship leader or you're you know, all of these cool things, like they have it all together. And it's like, I have a bigger target on my back in some ways, you know, it's like that type of <laughs> yeah. experience. So absolutely. Yeah. That's such a good, that is such a good point. Yeah. So you have a book that we established before we started recording didn't just come out, but it feels like it just came out. Time is (laughs) flying, but it is, you know, one of many, you have so many incredible books, but this new one that came out, you know, grit, don't quit. And I love that title. I love just the messages behind it. I think it's one that is so incredibly timely for today and, I would just love to hear what your heart was for writing this book. You know, out of all of the books that you've written, why this one? Why now?
2: You know, um, I think taking a look like at a, this cultural moment, taking a look of saying, okay, where are people at? Where am I at? Where's the church at? Where's culture at? And really putting my ear to the ground and saying, okay, spirit of God, what do you have for your people? And I, what I'm seeing is I, did, I didn't get some burning bush. The Red Sea didn't part for me. God didn't speak with a booming voice, you know, thus saith the Lord. It was nothing like that, but I'm just taking a look at culture, looking taking a look at the church at large. And I am seeing so many people walk away, walk away from their callings, walk away from their churches, walk away from their communities, walk away from the God calls that he has upon their life. And, uh, I wanted to speak to and resource, not just not with a message of condemnation, you know, don't quit you quitters, but more along the lines of here's how we don't quit. And here's how we build resilience. This is how we build perseverance. And it's it's ultimately at the end of the day, it's grit. Now, the Bible doesn't have the word grit and resilience, but the Bible does use the word endurance and perseverance. And so mm-hmm. I think with that lens and filter, I think it's wildly important. All throughout scripture, we, we read about the power of endurance and the need for persevering. And then there's also this beautiful benefit that we get. And sometimes people here benefit and think, okay, well, if I endure, I lose the 30 pounds. If I endure, my marriage is perfect. Mm-hmm. If I endure, I get pregnant. If I endure, whatever, fill in the blank. When the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, is I endure and I give God glory. I endure and my soul is strengthened. I persevere and I push into my destiny and my calling. And I think it's just reframing that a little bit for people and then making it super practical. Like my my goal in this was people are on the mat of life. They feel like they're exhausted. They're tired. They want to give up. They want to walk away. And I just want to speak to that one shred of faith and say, there's more in you. God has something for you. Stay the course. The promised land draws near. This is how you do it. And so that was the heart behind it. But the funny thing is, is I thought I was writing this book. For the old version of me. And what I realized in retrospect is I was writing this book for the things that the Lord's going to have me walk through now. Mm. So, as much as I say, I hope this book gets in the hands of so many people, you know, yes, that's true. I hope it does. And I know it's a resource, but the truth for me is God's using it to speak to me in this season of my life. And I need to persevere. I need to not quit. I need to put my hand to the plow. This is the call. This is the cost of my calling. Let's move forward. So, That's the reason why we started the book.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And again, I just think it's such a timely message because I don't know if you feel this way, but I just, I feel like I see so much on in any avenue, social media interactions with people where it's just so easy to quit. Now we're like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, and I don't know if that comes to this with this like perspective of people don't want to be an amateur at something anymore. And it's like, I'm going to try. And if I'm not good at it, then it's like, okay, I'll move on to the next thing. So, and just in navigating hard seasons, it's so easy to give up. And, um, so, what are just signs of personal, physical, you know, relational burnout? Because I think a lot of that quit comes from that. We're tired, we're burnt out, we don't want to do it anymore. And then, how do we choose to build that resilience? Because I love that word choose because I do think it's a choice. We have to actively decide, no, I'm going to step into what I have to do next. So, what are your thoughts on all of that? Okay, so let's talk about burnout
2: and let's talk about it from two different perspectives. There's burnout because we truly are operating at all cylinders and we've said yes to too much and we've put so many things over our mental health, over our emotional health and over our spiritual health. And they could even be for spiritual things. It could be that you've burned yourself out in ministry. It could be you burned yourself out in being the your kid's classroom, mom, you know, there's a lot of things (laughs) that you can experience real legit burnout. And it could be because we're trying to fill a gap. We're trying to feel significant. We're trying to, um, walk into a sense of purpose, but then there's this whole other side. And I want to, and if we can break these down to percentages Mm -hmm. as a pastor, as a pastor of a large growing young church, I am, these are what I'm seeing. And even as I speak to the capital C church around the nation, I'm seeing that there's a larger percentage, I would say probably 70% of people who are walking away or saying, quote, burnout because they're mismanaging energy. And it's not, please hear me say, I'm not saying get organized. You're burning out because you're not (laughs) organized. You're hearing me say, are you taking the time to rest and recoup in a way that's life giving? And so when when people say like, well, yeah, I just stayed in my bed and watched Netflix all day what people don't understand is that though, that might be mind numbing. That's not mind rejuvenating Mm. or, you Mm. know, like I went to go get a pedicure. That's great. But if you're on your phone and you're on Instagram and you're constantly comparing, that's not filling your cup. So I I think there's a lot of, Uh, layered nuances around the word Sabbath. You know, some people are like, you have to Sabbath this way. And then people, some other people will say like, I'm under the New Testament. There's no such thing. I'm not under the law. You know, it's not Sabbath is the law. You know, um,
1: I would have have never heard that one. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I have not heard somebody say that's under the old law. I'm under the new law. That was the first. No, no, no. (laughs) It's true. So people
2: say, I'm not Jewish. That's the law. I'm under grace, I'm under the law of grace, which is Jesus and Jesus. So remember when jesus was like healing on the Sabbath, and so a lot of new testament christians will say um well i don't have to do that because jesus was able to serve and heal and and eat on the Sabbath, and like so so oh I, okay so this is this is a fun conversation so yeah. <laughs> for me i'm really trying to strive for that middle equilibrium equilibrium. So for Mm. those that say Sabbath has to look, you know, Friday night at seven to Saturday night at seven, and it's no technology and it's this and it's that I was in Israel and I've been on my own, like kind of like Sabbath journey of really identifying what fills my cup. And I had an opportunity to connect with a rabbi while I was there. And I asked the rabbi, like, uh, I sat down and had an interview with him and I said, what is Sabbath? And the way that he explained it was so freeing. He said, Uh, And he's Messianic, so he observes the Sabbath, but it's not necessarily in the traditional Judeo values. Mm. And so he said, Sabbath is best described where we are grateful and celebrating everything that God is, and we're grateful and celebrating our life. And he's like, when you find both of those, then you know that you have accomplished Sabbath. And it was so freeing to me because wow. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, so for me, I love to work out. It's it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Some people are like, oh God, throw a shoe at her. You know, I get it. I'm not working out because I'm like, oh, I need a six pack. Girl, I like to eat. Okay. So like I work out so I can eat, you know, but, but for my Sabbath, I always have a long workout. It just purges mm. and it brings calm. That's not everyone, but I find God, and I have such great mental clarity when I do a seven mile walk or I go do a kickboxing class or something like that. So I celebrate God. I celebrate my life that Sabbath. Um, I like to do something indulgent. I like to, I, I love to cook. I don't have a whole lot of time during the week to cook. So on my Sabbath, I like to cook a large meal for friends and family or even by myself. And I'll just like save it for like the week or whatever um, in that I am you know, the Psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm literally mm. practicing that. So I'm loving <laughs> and celebrating the Lord and I'm loving and celebrating mm-hmm. my life. And then community is a big value for me, whether it's my family, my, my God-given community or my chosen community. Um, I'd like to spend time hanging out with those people that I love and I'm loving and celebrating who God is. I'm loving and celebrating my life. That is Sabbath and and mm. Sabbath might for, for some might just feel indulgent. Like I'm going to take a great nap. I'm loving the Lord. I'm loving my life. So <laughs> for those that are like Old Testament, the law, and those mm-hmm. that are New Testament, you know, grace, I would love for us to find the hybrid of both. Because mm-hmm. I the number one thing that I'm seeing within the Western church is out of the 10 commandments, most of Christians are breaking one commandment without consequ- without thinking there's consequence. So we observe thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal, thou shall not covet, thou shall not commit adultery. And yet we think the commandment to honor the Sabbath is one that we could forget.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I
2: would love to do is bring to the forefront of like, we are dishonoring God by not observing the Sabbath. And it doesn't have to be on a particular day for a certain amount of hours, but like one, one theologian put it this way. It was actually Tim Keller. Oh, was it Tim Keller. Um, well, he's really smart. So we'll, we'll we'll try, we'll scribe it to him. I don't know if it was him, but let's hope it was Tim. RIP, Tim, we love you. But he said that Sabbath is one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. And so um I actually taught on tithing this past Sunday at church. And it's a topic that no one wants to hear, but my God, it's been yeah. so freeing for me. And so now, um, when I speak about like my Sabbath, if if I'm supposed to give God one hour a day to like rest, and that's not reading my Bible and journaling, it's literally just resting in him, whatever that looks like. Could be a walk, could be sitting, could be praying, could be listening to worship music. But now speaking about tithing, it's like the first fruits. When I wake up, the first words that I say are not to anyone except These are my first fruits, Lord, be the meditation of my heart, my mind, my soul, my body, my life today. Guess Mm -hmm. what I just did? I honored the Lord and it took 15 seconds. What Mm -hmm. if our mind frame and our mindset is I'm going to be intentional to find rest in this day, rest in this week, rest in this month and rest in this year. That Mm. I think will prevent so much burnout, finding the things that fill our cup where we love the Lord and love our lives and making sure that we're intentional and regular about that so that we don't face burnout. I see so many people walking Mm. away from their families and their calls because they're legitimately burned out, but because they haven't managed their energy, they haven't managed their time and they haven't managed the call upon their life.
0: Have you heard of the BTG Leadership Conference? Bridging the Gap believes every woman is a potential leader, and we have designed this conference to invest in your leadership development. Whether you are an experienced marketplace, ministry, or community leader who is wanting to continue to grow, or you would like to begin developing skills and networks as a future leader, this almost 24-hour event is for you. Mark your calendar for February 9th and 10th, 2024, at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. We'll have main sessions with speaker, pastor, And writer Portia Allen, multiple workshops, story time with Pamela Steinley, networking opportunities, exhibitors, and fun, all to encourage your leadership potential. In addition to our regular cozy up north activities, we're adding a horse-drawn wagon shuttle to the bridge shop. We'll also have the breakfast buzz, bingo, and you can get your headshot updated by a photographer. It's gonna be a power-packed, fabulous event that you and your team won't want to miss. This year you can also extend your stay by adding Thursday and/or Saturday night lodging onto your ticket. This opportunity allows for more time for reflection and strategizing with your team or simply for extra rest, register individually or as a group at mnbtg.org slash leadership. That's mnbtg.org slash leadership. We'll see you there. Mm, That's so good. And
1: that is a really freeing message about Sabbath. I mean, I just have never heard it presented that way either. And because I think that there can be a lot of like stress and tension and just like confusion around Sabbath. Even for me, it's like, what can I do? What can I not do? I am a very like productive, motivated working person. I'm like, can I check my emails today? Can I, you know, my husband's like, hey, let's clean out the basement. I'm like, can we, you know, it's like there's like a little bit of like what's allowed. So that's just like a really good kind of staple okay, so of looking push, at it with both of those. Can I push a button? Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. so for somebody where you said, I'm a self-professed, you know, productive junkie. That's what I'm going to call you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Does cleaning out your basement and checking email, does that make you love the Lord and love your life?
1: I love doing it. Yeah. I find joy in cleaning and organizing and doing things like that. And do you feel like it's a way of honoring the Lord? I think so. I mean, I'm, and so Being maybe a good away. steward of what I have. I don't okay. know. Something okay. along that line. And
2: then do you feel refreshed after doing it? Oh, yeah. Then I'm going to release you in the way that the rabbi has released me and say, then you're loving your life and you're loving your Lord.
1: There you go. My husband you will be go. so happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm going to tell
2: you, girl, the idea of checking my email and cleaning out a basement right now, I'm like, that gives me hives. Like, absolutely yeah. not. That feels like purgatory. And now we're mixing. No, I love back. it. <laughs> now I'm saying, no, absolutely not. And for someone out there that's like, oh, no, purgatory. Like, I get it. It's a joke, guys. I don't really believe in purgatory, but just really feels Take like a breath. Hitties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I love that. I, that is very freeing. I hope everyone else feels as free as I do now. (laughs) I always say these podcasts make me so happy because I always learn a little bit of something whenever (laughs) I get to do them. But (laughs) I want to kind of focus again on that word, like the choice, like choosing to do it. And I think that we just live in a time where we get so much noise from every direction and we can get so bogged down. I mean, depression, you know, it's just so many things. And so when we're confronted with like, this is what we need to do to choose to build resilience. What are just like practical things that maybe you've done in your life, or you have seen other people demonstrate really beautifully of how we can kind of get out of that, that funk, honestly, and just kind of keep going and finding our resilience.
2: Yeah, beautiful thing is like, um, I've studied the idea, the concept, the notion of grit and resilience for over two years now. And what I've done is I called scientific research, I called academic research, I called biblical principles. And there's these three overlapping values that determine who is resilient and how to build resilience. So Mm -hmm. um because I'm naturally a preacher at heart, they all begin with the letter P. It was either that I'm a preacher or was raised on Sesame Street. Both are true. Okay. But the three Ps of resilience, and this is the hallmark, the rubric, the barometer of resilience, as well as how to grow resilience. The first mm-hmm. one, the first P is perspective. And um, perspective, the definition of perspective, I actually shared this at, at Bridging the Gap, but perspective mm-hmm. is an honest evaluation of reality while maintaining truth. So an honest assessment of reality, honest evaluation of reality while maintaining like hope. That's what really what we're hope, hope we're holding on to. So we, you can be struggling in your marriage. An honest assessment of your marriage is this sucks, while maintaining hope. But we're meeting with our pastor. We're in therapy. We have honest dialogue. So it's an honest assessment while maintaining hope. So having that healthy perspective, um, uh, uh, this is what I didn't say when we were together at conference, but this research actually comes and was started uh, by a general in the military, uh, James Stockdale. And this is the Stockdale Mm -hmm. paradox that those that were in Uh, POWs prisoners of war, those that were like, Hey, we're going to get rescued next week. And then next week comes, we're going to get rescued next month. Hey, we're going to get out of here by Christmas. And when all those markers came and went, they were the first ones to get sick. The first ones to, to die off or the first ones to lose epic amounts of hope and give up. And yet the ones that were like, well, the reality is, is that we're prisoners of war and we believe that people care about us and are trying, but we're going to have to defend and fight for ourselves. Those were the ones that survived being prisoners of war. So Mm -hmm. the Stockdale principle is an honest assessment of reality while maintaining hope. And the second P that we have is a first P is perspective. The second P is purpose. It's like, how can I find the purpose in the midst of this pain? Now somebody out there's gonna be really annoyed because they're gonna be like, that's some Pollyanna principle, you know, like, "Mm, let's make lemonade out of lemons. Well, I mean, that principle does remain, but the truth of the matter is is that it's we take we make lemonade. Out of lemons, but then save the seeds and plant them, so that from those seeds comes an orchard of, that people can walk in and eat of our fruit. So, what what is the purpose in everything that you're going through, finding that, holding on to that, and believing? For those that are listening to this podcast and believers of, of Jesus, is that it's Romans eight twenty eight, and that's annoying to a lot of people going through pain. But the truth of the matter is, is all things work to get all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. So we have to believe that whether on earth or in heaven, God is going to redeem the situation. And If it's not redeemed, then God isn't done. And then the last P is pivot. And that's for the, that this is critical for resilient people, building resilience and maintaining resilience. It's when life hits you in one direction, you move in a different direction, but you keep flowing. There's a wall in front of you. You figure out how to scale the wall. You can't scale the wall. You destroy the wall. You can't destroy the wall, march around (laughs) the wall, like the children of Israel at Jericho. You know what I'm saying? You are always just finding solutions. Those three P's perspective, purpose, and pivot. That is what qualifies and quantifies Mm -hmm. and defines a resilient person.
1: Yeah. Those are so good. And just really tangible too. And just like figuring out your next steps. And, you know, when we're looking at this word resilience, like I think a lot of people can get confused on what it is and what it isn't. So I don't know if you would be able to like break it down. Cause like for me, for example, when I think of resilience, I think of working hard, even in adversity, but it's not staying in an unhealthy situation and because okay. you don't want to quit. You know, I think people can be like, well, I just have to be resilient. And it's like, okay, but there's you know, the pro resilience. So it's like, yes, keep fighting. But then there's the, like, this isn't good anymore. So yeah. can you a little touch on that a little bit?
2: Right. So we've been talking a lot about resilience and life knocks you down on the mat of life. You, we get back up and there's a beautiful, beautiful, powerful ability that is fostered inside of us. When we, when we do that, when we have the ability to get back up, Proverbs says the righteous fall seven, but they get back up eight. You know, it's, it's this beautiful principle. However, and this is a caveat. In fact, it was I was halfway through writing the book and I wrote my editor and I'm like, um, I don't want people to stay in toxic situations or in toxic churches <laughs> or in toxic jobs. I said, we need to talk yeah. about when to quit. And she's like, well, your whole yeah. book is about not quitting. I was like, well, then let's add an appendix. And so in the appendix, yeah. I list out the five questions we should ask when it's time to quit. Mm -hmm. And, um, these aren't questions that I'm like pontificating about. These are questions that I literally go through on my own on, I don't want to say on the daily, but definitely like monthly it's an assessment. And, um, these questions have been, honestly, I would say the secret sauce of the book. People feel like this is such a helpful rubric and matrix as to like when Mm -hmm. to leave. And, and like sometimes in answering this and answering this truthfully, you know, three of the five questions are yes, but two are no's then it's not time you, for, for you to leave. And there mm. is, and I want to be very, very clear that there are legitimate times that you can walk away. Um, if there's abuse in a situation, if there's infidelity in a situation, if there's toxicity in a situation, and this is a buzzword, you know, toxic, learn toxic, this job is toxic. <laughs> toxic is a very big buzzword right now. And so I would encourage mm-hmm. people to bring in a licensed clinical therapist or a licensed clinical counselor to help you navigate what is deemed toxic. Um, and in those situations, you're hearing me say absolutely fundamentally because of Amago Day, because we're made in the image of God, you should not be in an abusive relationship. You should not you, like there is legitimate reasons to, to quit. I'm just saying, let's go through the process and discover if this is the season to step aside, if this is the season to resign. And if so, how do we do it well? So there are there are some questions that we need to ask before just throwing in the towel. And right now, I mean, think about it it's so easy. You can get food delivered to your door. You can get, um, Amazon delivered to your door. You can get target and Walmart delivered to your door. You can get a booty call delivered to your door, like within, you know, <laughs> at moments it's true. And so the idea of having to wait, we live in an instant access, access to access culture. We have microwaves, we have Instapots, we have Instacart, we have Instagram, everything is like now. And so when we have to wait, we, we, are tired of waiting 2.5 seconds and we quit. It's so easy to write someone off. It's so easy to go somebody. It's so easy to quit a church. It just is. And so what I'm asking people is like, the benefit of staying is that you're breeding a legacy for the next generation. You get to pave a path that the next generation will walk on. If you're sitting here, you're like, nah, I'm tired. I don't care about the next generation. What you're thinking about is you (laughs) are building a legacy. Is it a good one or a bad one? But you're building one is it going to serve you and your fut- the future generations or is it going to have you cause consequence in your life and the lives of the next generation? So I'm really passionate. Like Paul, the apostle, he's just like, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have poured myself out like a drink offering. And uh, that's, that's I believe how I want to live my life. It's how Jesus lived his life. And I think that we find the most fulfillment and reward when we live the life that God has called us to live, even through
1: the hard, even through the tough, even when we want to throw in the towel. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's just so much shame around quitting. You know, it's there's just so much shame that's wrapped into, well, then you're a quitter, like you didn't try hard enough. And that can be super discouraging for so many people. And I I really, when you're talking, I'm just thinking of honestly the story of Joseph. It always throws me sometimes when I see that, like God gave him a dream and he gives him this dream and this vision. And then he has to wait like what, 12 years or something to have it fulfilled. And it, the everything he went through in that time think of that. And I just think of like the courage that it took every single time and every single day to be like, no, God has a plan for me. And you're hit with roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I think that we, you know, as women, as women leaders are walking through that where it's like, I feel like I had this call. I feel like I had this vision and now it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And it's like, do I quit? Do I give up? you know, I don't know what encouragement do you have for someone that might be in that? Like, man, I've had this dream. I feel like this is what God's asking me to do and I'm losing my grit. Like how do, how do I keep going really in that? Just speaking to that encouragement piece. So I think the best
2: thing that I can do is to give a quick story. So I mm-hmm. felt like the Lord was calling me to step into serve the incarcerated. I had no idea how this was going to happen. And so, um, I, I started knocking on doors. They were all shut. It didn't, it didn't make sense. And and then I randomly, I got an invite to a prison in, or jail in Lubbock, Texas. I went in and served the incarcerated. It was beautiful. We hosted a conference and um, it was like not one, not two, but three conferences. And while I was there, it was like our third conference. And there was an inmate who uh, during worship, came up to the microphone and asked me if she could take the microphone. Now here's the thing. No, I don't want to give an inmate the microphone. I don't know what they're going to say. Are they going to cuss? Like, can you sing? I don't know any of this stuff, but the inmate was like six one in a huge prison, like garb prison, like jumper. And when an inmate comes up to you and asks you something and you're just like, uh, sure, absolutely. You just pass the microphone. So, uh, she took the microphone. She started, a rap that she wrote. And a couple of the inmates were um, familiar with it. And it was about like the Lord's provision, how the Lord was a provider. And then the the hook, the chorus of the song was, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. And before I know it, the whole prison pod was like in with her. And we were all saying, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. Now think about prison ministry is that you serve and you don't know if you're ever going to see these people again. And, mm. um, three years later, I'm speaking at an event in Dallas, Texas. Um, there is 8,000 women in this auditorium. And, um, I preached a message and I walked backstage. It was so hot, by the way, like, I just, I'm like, when I preach, I'm like TD Jakes in the middle of July with no AC. When I preach, I'm like sweating, right? So I get off stage <laughs> and I go towards the back. And I didn't want to talk to anyone because I just want to go to the bathroom and wipe off sweat, like I'm dripping sweat. <laughs> and um, as I was walking down the corridor, I hear somebody shout out, Pastor Bianca. And I turn, they were at a distance I couldn't really recognize, but I just kind of like waved and I wanted to make my way over to the bathroom. And, um, and, She called my name again. Well, the security guard that was with me said, "Like, do you know that person?" I said, "No, I don't. I, I, I'm just trying to make it to the bathroom really quick." And then out of nowhere, I see the person who's calling my name is wearing a volunteer T-shirt and shouts, "It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus." And I look and I realize who it was, and it was the Mm -hmm. inmate from the Lubbock County Jail. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I ran over to her. And three years after us meeting she was serving the Lord. She was still attending a church and she saw that I was going to be at this conference, but the conference was sold out. And the only way that she can get into the conference is by serving and like volunteering. Mm -hmm. So she came in, she was wearing a volunteer Mm -hmm. shirt and I ran into her afterwards randomly. And I mean, there's 8,000 women in this auditorium, this arena. And yet I like caught her. I saw her. I got to meet up with her. I embraced her. I hugged her and I started I'm so embarrassed to say this. I started sobbing and I started sobbing not because I was sad. I was sobbing because God is faithful because you think I can't do this. You think it's not worth it. You think it doesn't matter. And it won't be until years later. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's 10. Sometimes it's 20 years later where you get to see the fruit of your impact. It might feel insignificant to you, but it's in those moments where you say, God was with me the entire time and the seeds that I planted, I will see a harvest.
1: Hmm, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that story. I just feel like hopefully that encourages a lot of women. And just like, we don't know the full story. We don't know our full story and only God does. And he sees the future. He sees what our seeds of weeping will harvest into joy. And He sees all of that. And so I just am praying that people really soak that in today. But I feel like that is such a perfect place to end. Is there any final thoughts that you have that you wanted to share? And definitely let us know where where can we get your book
2: yeah absolutely so um people can get the book at barnes and noble amazon um and it's called grit don't quit and you can also buy play with fire and how to have your life not suck those are my other books also i have a podcast called we're going there and for anyone that wants to follow on social media it's at bianca oltoff and for more information um com
1: so good definitely follow along and we just again loved having you at thrive this year it was a party all of you guys being friends and knowing each other it just like really made it super special and really fun so i hope you can come back and join us sometime
0: thank you for having me Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridge in the Gap podcast. We were honored to hear from Bianca Juarez-Oltoff on when to grit and when to quit. You can learn about Bianca and find resources, including her book, Grit Don't Quit, and her podcast at biancaoltoff.com and by following Bianca Oltoff on social media. You can also find more on Bridge in the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridge in the Gap app through your app store or by following mnbtg on social media. We also invite you to take a moment to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridge in the Gap podcast.